Welcome to the Heart of Dad podcast. Heart of Dad is a podcast for entrepreneurs who are passionate about their families and business and looking to find more clarity, more balance and more alignment in all areas of their life. Come and join the community at heartofdad.com or on Facebook at groups forward slash heartofdad. This week on Heart of Dad, I'm delighted to be interviewing David Key. David is an Amazon number one best-selling author, award-winning coach, principals teacher, NLP trainer, and master trainer of hypnosis, dedicated to helping people realize their goals, both personally and professionally, and to lead a more satisfying life. Over the last few years, some 55,000 people from over 40 countries have invested in one of David's award-winning, dynamic, and innovative online and in-room coaching programs. Now David is teaching a new understanding in psychology, the three principles. Through coaches like David, it has the power to transform the world. A leading teacher and practitioner of this revolutionary new paradigm known as the three principles, David was one of a select group of coaches to be personally mentored by Dr. George Pransky, the man who was famously described by the English philosopher and writer Colin Wilson as the greatest psychological mind of our time. The principles, in David's own words, have turned conventional Freudian analysis on its head sweeping away a century of misunderstandings about the way in which we human beings experience and process reality. The insights he has gained have transformed David's life, both personally and professionally, and he now spends all his time taking the message to other trainers and coaches, to businesses and private individuals. And David's also an ambassador for A Slice of Happiness. This is a pro bono programme especially designed to transform the mental health and well-being of the homeless population. So this week, I'm delighted to welcome David Key onto the Heart of Dad podcast. And um, David has a very special place in my life because he's the person who introduced me to a whole new way of seeing life uh, through his inspirational uh, course. And um, things have moved on enormously in my life since then. So I'm so delighted that David's made time to come onto the podcast um, this week. Uh, David, hi. Hey, um, hey Matt. I'm just sort of reflecting on what you just said I was like I didn't realize I know I had a, had uh, you in the conversation with me but I didn't realize I had a place in your heart like that and I'm touched so thank you yeah definitely David and um, I'm yeah. really been looking forward to this conversation because uh, well I know some of your story because you're very open with it and um, I think there's gonna be a ton of value for people listening to the podcast but oh. for people who don't know you can you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us who you are sure just an average guy. Um, I, uh, I got into the world of personal development because I think I've always been a seeker. <clears throat> when I mean, what I mean by seeker, for those who might be curious what that means, somebody looking for the magic pill, uh, you know, the secret to happiness. Um, I, I, I started off my um, journey probably when I was a young boy, um, Passed from pillar to post by parents who were very insecure, always angry. Father was an alcoholic. Um, and I think I grew up feeling a little bit lonely, no brothers, no sisters, and shipped off to boarding school when I was eight, between eight and ten. And learned to become very independent. I think I was, um, you know, if I'm, you say I'm honest, open and honest, as I reflect on that now, realize that I was just looking for a loving feeling, but outside of myself, I was, you know, seeking 
to feel better because I wasn't necessarily um, feeling the love between my parents because they were so self-absorbed and stuck in their own world and with their own problems that I was an inconvenience, I think I felt at that age. So in my heart, I was always seeking, thinking, you know, um, if I please people, if I'm nice to people, and I, I learned very early on, sort of at 10, 11, because my mother didn't have much money, that if I go out and knock on people's doors with a bucket and a sponge and say, would you like your car washed? To earn a bit of pocket money, um, a nice smile and doing a good job, I always got praise. So straight away, I'm training myself to get a good feeling by providing a service to other people. So I, I think um, that, that was the start of my journey. And um, I left home at 17 um, and I ran three jobs, worked in a couple of pubs, did a bit of DJing and uh, ended up working in the IT industry. Um, but got fascinated with hypnosis. I was in my 20s and I'd read a book called Grow Rich While You Sleep because I was um, ego, big ego, huge <laughs> um, seeker in sales, thinking that, oh, if I'm successful, people are like me. Another outside in thought that I'd had that I was living in. It was my story. Um, but I was fascinated with hypnosis because I went to a, a stage show in Blackpool with a friend called Russell, who is extremely shy. I was quite good, gre gregarious. He was introvert. He hadn't um, really found the courage to even ask somebody out on a date. And here we were in our 20s. And um, he ended up on stage. The hypnotist got him out. And I shy 20-something-year-old who I saw this shy 20-something-year-old Russell being taken on stage and do things that I was like, man, that I've got to learn how that hypnotist did that. So that was really the beginning of my journey into doing something other than working in the IT industry. It was fascinated with psychology, how the mind work, hypnosis, how could you take someone who's feeling really insecure about maybe going up and asking a girl out or for a drink at least to in a matter of a blink of an eye, a few words, he's like this, opening his eyes and going around this whole uh, theater, asking girls if they wanted a drink. And I thought this was hilarious. And I thought, I've got to learn about this. It's, it's, you know, I had a lot of problems and challenges and, um, that I, I wanted to fix because I thought I was broken. So that was, that was in the early 90s. So here I am, I think, three decades later, and um, that journey has taken me into different modalities, different understandings about how human beings work. I got involved in NLP and hypnosis at a deep level <clears throat> to trainer level and master trainer level. And I could swear to you, to this day, I had made a decision that there would be no other modality that I would ever work with, tried them all, Hypnosis and NLP was where it was at. It's funny how human beings can't predict the future, isn't it, Matt? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and we try so hard, don't we? We do, yeah. We invest so much in that. Yeah, I was trying to control everything. Mm. And then I was teaching my students to do the same. 
So it wasn't, you know, it was an innocent mistake. And I really helped a lot of people with those modalities, hypnosis and NLP, helping people overcome fears, phobias, pain, anxiety, um, with intervention. Until it was eight years ago, eight, seven years ago, coming up to eight years. Can't believe it's gone so quickly. Um, that I encountered a personal challenge in my own life as a dad, two kids, two daughters um, who were very young. I had a three-year-old and a six-year-old at the time and my wife, Anna. And we encountered um, what many would think would be a situation in a marriage that would generally end it for most people. And that would be something that I don't need to go into the detail, but put it this way. There were three people in the relationship <laughs> all of a sudden. I'm laughing now because I, I, I sometimes hear myself sharing on a podcast where it could be thousands of people listening and go, I would never have shared anything like that. I was too proud a man, too insecure, worried about what people would think and judging me. And, and actually it was the best thing that could ever have happened to our relationship. Our relationship as a husband and wife, as friends, my relationship with my children, um, the fact that our marriage was going to was going to hit the rocks because of an affair. Um, I I genuinely couldn't understand why everything that I was teaching my coaches and my the therapist that I was working with in terms of the modalities of hypnosis and NLP wasn't helping me. I was struggling, really, really struggling. You'd go to bed at night and have thoughts about driving off a cliff um, in turmoil inside, angry. It felt like a bereavement at some level. In fact, I remember describing it to a friend once I said, um, when there's three people in a relationship and you weren't expecting it or didn't see it coming, it feels worse than when my father died. I, could, I said it feels worse than a bereavement. I guess because the person was still alive, my wife, right? So I thought we were gonna, our relationship was going to end and then a friend of mine who actually happened to be one of my practitioners and became a friend who'd come across this understanding that I've introduced to you and now you're taking out into the world. She said, you really want to get a book on relationships. What was really interesting is when I looked at my 500 personal development books, on my, something going on here. So uh, she said, get the relationship handbook by a guy called Dr. George Pransky. So I did. And I read it. And nothing happened. It's like, I didn't get it. it was, yeah, nice stories, but how's this going to be helpful? And I phoned her up and said, hasn't really helped. Spent thousands on coaches in Harley Street, tens of thousands. That made it worse. I'm reading, I'm reading this book, nothing's happened. And then I get an email from, because I signed up to this, uh, to George's uh, email list and I got an email saying we're launching an online course. So I bought it. I thought, well, divorce is expensive. What's well, a few hundred bucks? And I started watching that video. The video one, it was only eight hours, so 45 minute chunks and a little review. And 
I watched the first video and Anna came in the house and she said, what are you watching? And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a video on relationships. Or rather a video on how the mind really works and how that impacts relationships when you understand in a positive way. And so she said, can I watch it with you? I was like, really? I've been involved in this field for 20 plus years and you've never really been interested in anything. Why would you want to start now? She, I said, you could sit down. She sat down. We started watching this video together and then she changed right in front of my eyes. She had an experience pretty much like you had that insight. I'm sure we'll have a conversation around that. But, uh, she had such a major insight that she looked different. She turned to me and said, you know, doesn't matter who I'd have been married to, this situation would have always happened. And we're going to just be fine. And I was thinking, I'm not even sure. I haven't even decided yet if we're going to be fine. But what's going on? This is really just bizarre. We've gone from going like this to all of a sudden one person saying, no, we're going to be all right. And, and I'm like, hmm, this is curious. It was about three months later, nothing had happened with regard to me, but Anna kept improving and looking different and being gentle and soft and more loving. And I was very curious, but also frustrated. Because I'm hearing, hearing these videos and playing it over and over again, rewinding the videos going, why isn't it working on me? My intellect was up there, yeah, 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 trying to work it out, trying to work it out. And then one day when I wasn't thinking about it, I was here by that kettle over there making a cup of tea. And all of a sudden I felt this rage inside. I'm pouring a cup of tea, I'm pouring the hot water onto the tea bag. And I was so furious at what had occurred in our relationship. I was playing the past out in my mind, but I didn't know. And I was feeling my thinking in the moment, but I didn't know that that's what was happening. And then I had this insight, just popped in. Anna's not here. She can't be making you angry. <laughs> Stop laughing. Tears up down my eyes. I'm feeling this loving feeling, thinking, shit. It's true. Every experience we're having in the moment is coming from our own thinking, and that's all that we feel. It's that simple. There is nothing to learn, no, nothing to do. I see this now, obviously, years later, having worked with George and hung out with him for the last seven years, pretty much every year, um, teaching you and sharing this understanding as it gets deeper and deeper and starting to see that life, when you have this understanding, you can thrive. You can really thrive. Your role as a father, as a husband changes. I think it's an amazing story, David, and you know, thank you for sharing it. I mean, I've, I've heard it before from you, but every time you tell it, um, you know, it, it, it never fails to move me because I think, um, as you were saying at the beginning, so many people in that situation would end up in a very difficult, different, more painful situation, and you didn't. Mm -hmm. What I heard this time, I suppose, um, that, that made me smile was that... Um, when Anna's wisdom shone through and she um, sat down to watch that video with you the very first time. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're saying, well, never in all that time of our 
I mean, my work in personal development, she'd taken great, a great interest and suddenly something spoke to her and her wisdom kind of guided her into that moment of, of yes. sitting with you. And everything <clears throat> flowed from there. And of course, your own journey flowed from there too. Is it, isn't it amazing how we don't sometimes don't even see that that's her wisdom shining through, guiding her to sit down in the moment because there's a message coming and it's just for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I'm so grateful for that having happened. And, it, and, the, and the change happened the right way round in hindsight as I think about it. Otherwise, she saw first and became curious in the understanding. And then I was curious at her change. Yeah, that and that's sense. when I got on a plane, you know, and when I met George, I was like, "I got to find out what this guy did to my wife," <laughs> <laughs> and that, and shake his hand as well. Yeah, I mean, just you know, we're going to talk about your, your your role as a father, but there's a couple of other things I wanted to pick up on in in your story, and I think you, you know, you're talking about kind of your your childhood and the impact of you know, your parents' relationship on you and mm. that um, seeking that, that you went on. And then you talked about um, getting into the IT, IT industry and you're in sales. Mm. I really had a sense of you in that time as kind of the prototypical alpha male, mm. um, really going for it, very driven. Yeah. Um, and it, when you've shared elsewhere, you've talked about kind of success was mm. important to you. Uh, material things were important to you at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of almost like the, the archetypal um, you know, sales director figure that yeah. you were. And that's kind of a million miles away from the person I know you are now. And I'm really curious to know about that transformation mm. with you that, you know, because mm. anybody meeting you now, and I think hearing you talk about your story today, will hear your, um, will hear your big heart and your, your softness as well. That there's a, mm. there isn't that hard edge of yeah. having to <clears throat> get, get, get. Yeah. I, uh, my nickname at work was the Rottweiler and the, and the rhinoceros, <clears throat> which is a great metaphor for I was easily triggered to become angry. Um, and the rhinoceros was, I was so sick, thick skin that people couldn't feel the love or the connection with me. And because I'd shut down, I'd learned to dissociate from my experience of feeling states as a kid. I guess when a human being gets rejected enough times, they develop a skill set to be able to either, they'll either melt and then they won't cope so well or they'll become dissociated. Mm. So I was extremely dissociated, but it served me well because I could knock on a lot of doors and have a lot of people say, I'm not interested and it wouldn't bother me. If I'd have removed the metaphorical shield, it would have hurt because mm. I was really wanting to be loved. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> the, the transition going from a want to prove everything to the world and be successful in that alpha male, uh, yes, I was. I was the leader of the pack um, at work a lot of times. I was, I believe that success meant you had a win at everything that you did, not realizing that we're all born winners anyway. Um, And it wasn't until I remember having a conversation, probably in the last seven years, where I sat down with Linda Pransky and uh, another coach, lovely, lovely um, 
principal's teacher called Veronique from Belgium. And we were, the three of us were having a conversation and I'm not even sure what I said, but I remember what Veronique said. She turned to Linda Pratsky and said, can I say something to David, Linda? And Linda turned to Veronique and said, yeah, of course you can. She said, David, I get a sense that you really need to learn to become a loser. And that hit me right between the eyes. Um, I'd built my whole identity on being a winner. And the minute I lost, I'd have a meltdown. Because immediately, if you connect winning with love, <laughs> you're in trouble when you lose. So it's very, so I was living outside in, Matt. Um, and I guess one of the reasons I probably, I mean, deep down unconsciously, I can't say this 100% true, but it feels right, is that I moved into the world of personal development after seeing Tony Robbins stage to 5,000 people. So Tony Robbins is there. I'm at a seminar. He's got 5,000 adoring fans, and I went, I want some of that. Mm. Not I want to help the 5,000 in the audience, but I want them to love me. So I ended up moving into the world of personal development and become a tr and, and get to the top to win, to become a master trainer, a top trainer. It, took, it was slow burn. I got there because I thought if I can just help people, they'll love me more. Right. Now I don't care, but I do, if you know what I mean. It's like, I'm not doing it for that feeling. Anymore. Yeah. You're not doing it for that feeling, which is very different, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a different type of caring, isn't it? So you, you come out with the bigger heart. Mm -hmm. um, there's no, I'm not doing it for love. Cause I know where that comes from now. We are love, right? In a bodysuit. I'm really curious, David, to know, you know, in that sort of before and after world, before, what kind of dad were you? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I was a dad that had built up this idea that a good dad is a dad that's out there earning a good living and providing for its family. Financially, that'll create security. Again, thinking that stuff, how much money you had, was my mission. And not realizing that my mission in life to be a good dad is to somebody that's present with their children when he's there and not there, but not there. In other words, most of the time at the beginning, before this understanding, before I started to see that I was part of the creation of the problem that happened in my marriage was because my wife didn't think I loved her. I might say it, but she didn't feel it. Yeah. And it wasn't because I, it, it, it was true that I did, but um, it was more, uh, just words. Well, when you said, you know, I was thinking about that, when you were saying about wearing that shield, the shield yeah. um, to, to kind of prevent feelings getting at you or feelings at it, it, it's, yeah. it, it does, it's not permeable, right? It, yeah, it works both ways, yeah, doesn't it? that's it. But it was also because I was in my head in the future always. So I, I'd come in from a meeting or coaching session with a client. I'd be thinking about the next one and, oh, I've got all these things to do. And, and then Anna would say something. I go, pardon, what did you say? So I wasn't quite here because I wasn't present. I wasn't in the moment. Mm. 
And we can't be in a loving feeling if we're in the past in our head, thinking about what happened five minutes ago, what happened a year ago, or we can't be present and in the moment and connected with our children, with our wife, as I see it for me now, if I'm thinking about what's happening next. Stressed all the time, worried, thinking I've got to, I've got to get more success. I've got to give them more security. And all they really wanted was dad to be present. So that's the sort of dad that I was. I was there, but I wasn't there. And then when I started to see that all you had to do was be in the moment with your children and your wife and they would feel your love. And man, when I first started, it might be just five minutes a day. I'm present for five minutes. Do you know those five minutes could last a week? In other words, that, that connection time, that feeling. And then it's almost like as it became a habit of me shaking that future thought away and just, sorry, sweetheart, I'm here with you now. Boom, the connection's there. I think that's brilliant. And, and, and that will offer hope to a lot of people listening that, you know, um, I mean, your story is an amazing one, and I think that it's a hopeful one in itself, but some people might think it's unattainable to me, right? Well, Dave, David had some kind of um, enlightened experience. You know, mm. he, came, he came to, putting it simply, he came to your senses in the kitchen over your cup of tea, and you saw something. Yeah. But, you know, if I haven't seen something, <clears throat> um, you know, what hope is there for me, right? And I love mm. what you're sharing, that like, even five minutes a day of falling out of your thinking and yeah. worrying about what's happening tomorrow, what happened today, what happened yesterday, That's allows it. you to be more present with those around you. And then it just becomes a habit. Mm. Um, from having what the future was going to be to, so going from business planning, having this is how it's going to be in five years time to realizing that no human being on planet earth has ever really been able to predict the future successfully. So let's not think about that. Then all the problems of the past in terms of my relationship and with my family and children, I, my, my connection with my mother is better than it's ever been. We didn't speak for three years. We now play golf together. That's bizarre. And nothing had to change. In other words, the people listening might think, oh, well, so what do you need to do? How do I make this happen to me? I'm like, um, in my mind, I say, well, I didn't have a plan to make this happen. I was just looking for peace of mind and I didn't know it. And I thought peace of mind and the feelings of security and in other words, the insecurities falling away would come from me having a successful business or buying a flash car as I used to back in the day, Matt, hoping that my friends would like me more. <laughs> I laugh now. Well, the paradox, as, as I see it, David, is that you know, your business is, is booming now, right? It's kind of, you know, you've gone from that um, insecurity about it to, to having a deep confidence in that your, your business will flourish and continue to flourish as it, as it is, right? You're touching a lot of people with the work you do. Yeah, I still have my moments of insecurity, Matt. Um, and this is another thing I think that I've seen along this journey is even after sort of being in personal development for 30 years, coaching for around that sort of time, even the short period of time that I've been working with this new understanding, okay, which is seven, eight years, um, 
I still wake up going, oh my God, Where's, how am I going to pay the bills next year or next month or next week? And then I drop back into, that's just my intellect. That's my insecure ego, just worried about what people might think if it fails. And I drop into a beautiful feeling and wisdom will come and tap me on the shoulder and say, just do this. I couldn't do that if I had a big long plan. Because you can't predict what's going to come into your mind next. We don't know what next, the next thoughts are, the next ideas, the, what's going to happen in the outside world. So, so my, my guess is this will be slightly uncomfortable listening for many entrepreneurs, right? Mm. That's, you know, this, this podcast is, is for entrepreneur dads and mm. I've been in that place. If I, I tell the story now how um, when I had my business, uh, I started with, the, with three other friends um, we used to meet um, quarterly. Like one of us lived in London and three of the rest of us lived in Brighton. We used to meet like, halfway between the two places in a, in a pub and we'd spend the whole day doing our strategic planning for the quarter and you'd get flip charts out and it'd all be very energised and exciting. But you could guarantee within three weeks that would be in the bin because mm. you know, some things were predictable, but mm. some things were completely unpredictable. And that idea of trying to gaze into the future with any great certainty seems absurd to me now. Well, it does to me now, and that can be really freaky for a sales director who's just been given a target of 1.2 million that he's got to achieve, and you've got to sit down and go, right, oh my God, how are we going to get that in the next 12 months, which would be an intellectual way of approaching a problem which can be really useful, really useful. Especially if you work somewhere else and you had a past experience where this target you'd already gone through the process of, I know exactly what we need to do. But if you've never experienced that size of opportunity target, it can be very difficult to say, you know what, you just sit back and it'll work itself out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any, we're going to make any friends by suggesting. Absolutely not. But let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. At the beginning, uh, sort of the second week in December, I was sitting there looking at the business for uh, coming to the end of the financial year, seeing that we've grown. I was really grateful for that fact. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, 2020, new decade, new beginning. Um, I tend not to do detailed goal setting, but I do have visions. In other words, this is where I'd like us to be. And I have a figure in my head and I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? But you know, life's going to be okay if we don't. It's not, oh, I'm going to be loved more if we do that, which is the old school way of thinking for me unconsciously. So I thought, wouldn't it be great to do that? And I'm sitting there going, how on earth are we going to double, double the number? Because I thought that would be good. That would be cool if we doubled our revenue. I have no idea how to anyone. And then I get a phone call from John, you know, John. He goes, I woke up in the middle of the night with an idea. I'd like to run this. How would you like to have partners promoting your business and uh, invest in your business to, for the privilege? I was like, don't know, sounds, sounds like a good idea. Really, would people be interested in that? Well, it just sort of unfolded from there. Here we are sort of about four weeks later, Matt, and we've had 29 individuals sign up to partner to promote, promote my business. And I'm sitting there going, well, that's how we're going to do it then, is it? <laughs> Because I have had no involvement and I see that as the intelligence. You put a vision out there and something shows up and you just take the next step. 
Yeah. It's so much more liberating doing it that way than trying to control the future. So I really want to sort of draw, draw attention to the distinction you're making because I think there's two things that you're pointing out that are, are really important that might resonate with people. One is that your past experience can be useful. It's not about discarding, you know, if that's you know right. how, how to do something, that, that's all valid, right? Absolutely. But being attached to that to the point where nothing new or fresh can come in mm. means that you might be missing yeah. kind of the, the gift that the wisdom of life might be giving you. That's right. I have never, ever put an offer out in all my time in business, and I've been working in the corporate and business to consumer for a long time, had an idea. I know I'll put this idea together, and lots of people will be interested in promoting my business and paying us for the privilege, and we'll pay them this amount of money, and everybody's a winner. Never had that thought. It was somebody else's thought. But that's, again, how we're all connected as human beings. And I put a vision out, the intelligence comes through, and then somebody goes, do you know what? I've got this idea. And you're right. If I'd have put a 27-page business plan together on how we're going to achieve our numbers, that idea would not have been on there. Right. No space. I would have missed the opportunity by being rigid, wouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah, so, so the understandings allow me to be more open to nature, the nature of life mm-hmm. and wisdom that comes through nudging me to do the next thing. So I have more capacity to be present. Fantastic. I want to come back to something you were saying earlier. Um, sure. I've been asking other dads about, and I think you know because you have this understanding of the of the principles <clears throat> you're sharing. You know, you may have a different answer from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to talk about anger because you you were talking earlier about uh, you know obviously when um, what happened in your relationship happened. You know, you had <clears throat> anger, which is perfectly understandable and, <clears throat> and normal. Um, but I want to talk about anger in relation to being a parent because there are <clears throat> times when you know, in my life, it still happens mm. that um, being a parent, it feels like it pushes me into a situation where I, I, I have a lot of anger. And it's usually around control, you know, because I think uh, it's partly being a dad a little bit later in life than some, some of my friends, uh, having had more, more time where I thought, you know, my time was purely my own and, and it isn't now. And it's partly, I think, that you know, having been... A business owner and entrepreneur and, and growing my, my new businesses now um, I have a sort of an expectation around autonomy and you know, being able to do my thing and, and mm-hmm. sometimes the intersection of running a business and being a parent mm-hmm. isn't always smooth for me so I can have times mm-hmm. where I feel you know, a bit frustrated and, yeah. and act out and I just wondered you know for you whether that still happens that you have times where you, you know you, you, you get angry as a dad or whether that that is past not you know, not mm. part of your, your repertoire well, I, anymore. I, I i have moments where i get a little bit irritated and i raise my voice at my children some people my my kids say oh, you're, you're grumpy or you're angry at me but the the difference between the anger or the the feeling of when i'm telling them off if i do tell them off which is very rarely i can't remember the last Normally a little like, go and do what I asked you to do, tidy your room, there's a reason we're going out in a minute, you know, raising that, that sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Is, there's love behind that. 
Whereas before the understanding, there was more of a, um, I'm cross, thinking, so this is my realization. I'm angry, kids that made me angry. So I'm angry at my daughter um, all those years ago, and I thought she was m annoying me. Or not, not listening to me, I'm getting cross. And I'd be blaming her, or not maybe saying to a young kid, but it would come out in my tonality or my manner or my behavior. And then after the fact, I'd sit and go, oh man, I feel really bad about it. Um, I shouldn't have lost it. Now in hindsight, what I've started to see, I don't know if this is true for everyone, okay but for me i started to see that my anger wasn't at my children it was at me for not being able to influence them to do what i need them to do in the moment i'm cross at my own inability it's almost like when i discovered what was happening in our my relationship with my wife i was angry but in hindsight i look back i was angry because now i'm thinking people are going to be thinking about this and i'm cross at that situation having occurred which is really self-absorbed. I, I just want to pause you that, because I think that's such a powerful insight that you've just shared, um, particularly this piece around being angry with yourself for not being able to influence the situation, right, rather than being angry with your child. So yeah. I, think a lot, I think a lot of dads would identify with that. Yeah. And then that, for me, that spirals into, you know, potential guilt and shame around, okay, well, yeah. you know, I really messed up there. I shouldn't have lost my rag uh, clearly you know he's just an innocent in the case of my boy he's only a five-year-old you know what the yeah. hell does he know you know yeah. about my agendas and my needs and my yeah. thoughts and feelings about this is kind of so so it can go down that road but it sounds like you're not you don't go down that road particularly you you well i used to matt I, if i if i was to take you back to the moment when i saw anger as really not a healthy thing to have you know, there's a lot of theories about anger is not good for blood pressure and cholesterol. And there's research going back to the 1990s that are published in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. So I knew logically anger is not good for the body. It's not good for good relationships. You see countries angry with each other. It's not good for the world. However, it was something that I had to, to, to sort out for myself because I was very angry. Remember I said I was the Rottweiler to the point where Oh, embarrassing to share this, but you know, it's my past and um, all my skeletons are out of the closet. So, and it was this, I, I got into a head-to-head, -head, um, almost fisticuff fight with a dustbin driver, um, um, where to the point where I got arrested for road rage and a criminal record. Um, it, we didn't have a fight, but just getting out of my vehicle and squaring up to a man and in the middle of the, the road, <laughs> number one, doesn't look good. Number two, it's illegal. And number three, I had to pay the consequences by going to court and going through all that process. Um, and I realized that I needed some help. It was really interesting. This is before I even came across this understanding is that I probably got involved in a road rage incident weekly, a couple of times a week, depending on the, the route that I took. And I didn't realize, and probably until recently, it was just I was so judgmental of other people. And um, I attracted angry people because that was the energy that I was giving out, right? So it resonated with me like a magnet. And then one day, 
I, I went to see my, one of my first ever mentors who took me under his wing for five years after I met him. I said, I think I need help. And we went through a process um, where, this is back in the day, it's a process called timeline therapy. It bases a personality and you're supposed to go back in time in your mind to the first event of anger that you've ever had. And one of the questions they say, was it before, during, or after you were born? Which, which like, what? You know, the old school modality. Mm. Mm. Long story short, I went into a hypnotic trance and I hallucinated myself. Uh, oh, sorry, I thought it was me in this trance. I was a dissociated visual image of what I thought were me on a horse in full battle regalia, in armor. And... Uh, um, I came out of this hypnotic trance and I couldn't feel anger anymore. They tried, they tested me, they were trying to make me angry and I was giggling and, and, and I'd hallucinated this. And I think it was just a metaphor now as I see it, a metaphor for my unconscious mind, a metaphor for fighting all the time. In battle, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Happened to be, um, you know, on a horse in full armor with a bird of prey on my arm. And that's where the company name came from uh, a few years later, Al Spiki Um, which means bird divination. So what really happened, Matt, before I came across the understanding, the anger was a lot less because I had an insight in trance. Beautiful. I'm fighting all the time. And then what was even more miraculous, I haven't seen road rage since that day. No one's had a go at me. <laughs> so maybe it was just me. <laughs> I think again, lots of people are going to be resonating with that with that story and and what you attract and and, and what you don't attract through your own mind states, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, one of the phrases that you shared with me very early on um, through your training was one that I use again and again, and that's all boats rise with the tide. Yeah. It's a, such a beautiful image for how our own insights and um, uh, knowing has an impact on those around us that's how i understood it when you shared it yeah um and i was wondering what the impact on your children has been of you going through this journey david phenomenal phenomenal um not just our family system not just the, the you know anna myself and my, our two children not that this part of the family but our extended family uh, the relationships have risen as well I think when we have our own eyeballs cleaned of the filters of our past experience, we see people through fresh eyes. So the understanding in of itself acts like um, an eyeball cleaner, for one of a metaphor. It's like when I saw my mum, instead of looking through judgment of her past mothering skills and going, oh, she was a terrible mother, she should have treated me this way, you, the, the eyeballs are, get cleaned and you, the judgment falls away and you go, oh man, I didn't even see, I'm not even a woman or a mother, so how on earth can I judge my own mother? I mean, it's crazy. And I saw a loving, beautiful woman in front of me, my mother, and I'd never seen that before. And that for me is just, that's just awesome to see that because um, another example in um, my stepmother, she's moving to where? Yeah, our relationship has changed since I came across this understanding. Mm 
after my father had passed away. We were almost estranged, you know, she was my stepmother. Now I'm seeing a beautiful woman who did her best to try and bring me up. And I was a bit of a, an ass. <laughs> so now she's moving to where? It's like you become more caring, more humble, forgiving. Um, so yeah, if my kids mess up, if we have a, if we have a disagreement in this house, a, a little argument, it's blown over in a couple of minutes and we don't go there anymore. We don't go, well, you said this yesterday because <laughs> yeah. that's not helpful. That's such a good one. Yeah. And such a simple thing as well. That's a big change I've seen in my relationship in my life as well. Yeah. I used to ruminate over things and play yeah. arguments and discussions and you know, all the things I wish I'd said and hadn't said or wish I, wish I hadn't said and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that all that one. stuff going on and on. And, and now I just, yeah, when it's gone, it's gone. It's, yeah, so not only was I a Rottweiler and a rhinoceros, but I was also an elephant. Never forgot. Always brought those little ones up in an argument from five years ago. But do you remember when? Now I know. Don't go there. Now people know that intuitively or they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's common sense, isn't it? I mean, when, when I, saw, logical, I, I never yeah. saw it until I saw it. When I saw it, oh my gosh, yeah. It was yeah, so simple. Common sense. So simple. But you see, unfortunately, I think, you know, for me, having such a big ego, back in the day, I, I didn't want to lose, remember? So I couldn't lose an argument. So I'd keep going at it until I won it, <laughs> until I'd worn her down, and then there goes the love. And what good was that to anybody? Mm -hmm. So to back to the question, my kids, uh, Claudia, you know, and Sarah, both of them performing extremely well, extremely resilient, grounded uh, as a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old to the extent where my daughter comes home sometimes from school and saying, Dad, I think you need to come in and talk to the, some of the girls in the school because I think they're very insecure, you know. And I have a 13-year-old. When she loses her bearings and has a hissy fit as a teenager and slams the door because she's had a moment where she's lost her bearings, we, my wife and I will smile. Her sister will go, she's lost in thought, daddy. And we'll go, she'll be fine in a minute. She comes out of her room and everything's just fine. Love that. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. It, it reminds me, I, mean, I don't know the details of this story, but one of the, one of the first things that you shared, uh, I seem to remember, is that you were on a family holiday in Croatia, was it? And yeah. Claudia broke her leg. Yeah. yeah, and I can imagine in, in, in that situation, um, <laughs> well, I had, I had a similar one. We went out driving. Um, my partner's, Catherine, she's passed a test relatively re recently, and we, we, we bought a car. Mm. And the first time out properly, um, there's so many potholes around here, we hit a massive pothole, and we had a double blowout. <laughs> I know that experience. And Not a pleasant one. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. And it was a Friday evening. You know, it was getting to the point where yeah. things were closing. And in the past, I think that could have stressed me out to the absolute mm. max. We would have been in like a, you know, a ball of tension in the car, and we were just hanging out waiting. You know, the AA came and they towed us to a garage. And we got. It was absolutely fine. It was a bit of an yeah. adventure in the end. But I really noticed that my um, capacity to deal with uncertainty and unpredictability mm. has really really shifted and i just wondered how that holiday played out because i could have seen, imagine in my in the past i would have been utterly derailed by that kind of thing mm. well um yeah it was a couple of years ago um 
we were so looking forward to it. It was the first day of our holiday and we'd been to the place before in Croatia, Zadar, it was beautiful. And out in the ocean, maybe a hundred meters offshore in shallow water, maybe up, maybe four foot, five feet. There's a big inflatable castle, bouncy castle, slides and gangways to walk across. Long story short, she slid down and um, I was walking back to shore halfway to the shore about 50 meters and I heard this scream and I looked around I just knew I could there was maybe 50 kids on there and I just knew it was my daughter so I came back and Anna happened to be there she slid down she said daddy I saw my leg break I said what do you mean you saw it she said I saw it in my head it's broken my ankle she heard it and she said I saw it literally she had a moment of clarity and she was like an x-ray machine in her head really bizarre but we didn't know it was broken but I carried her um, to the side and I was so there was no worry anxiety I knew exactly what to do um, the local lifeguard came and I said I've got to get her to hospital we need an ambulance he said it's going to be difficult to get an ambulance here we need to get her to the to the gates so I said okay well I need to go and get keys and car we're going to get her to hospital i'll drive her and there was a guy with a motorbike and i turned to him and i said can you give me a lift on my car i got no helmet he went get on the back <laughs> i had a really good fun motorbike ride all the way back to the apartments about two miles away grabbed the car came back took her to hospital and all the way through it i was just in peace of mind i knew everything was going to be just fine everything was going to be fine um, to the point where she was re so reassured that it wasn't a problem. The pain subsided, she was okay, and, and everything worked out fine. But if that had happened in the past, that would have been blown up into a major drama. Major. But what's really interesting was the day after when I put a post on Facebook about the experience, then I felt the anxiety. And what I've started to see is that in the moment when something serious happens, it's almost like, um, and George Pransky explained this to me as well. He said, you know, a lot of the victims of um, armed robbery that he's helps with their psychology always describe having peace of mind and clarity in the moment and the fear comes after the fact. And that's exactly what happened to me. You know, you know what to do when there's a catastrophe going on. It's the ruminating afterwards and going over it and playing it over and over in my mind. And when that started to happen, I went, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to let thought do its own thing. And there was no post-traumatic stress or mm. anything like that. Or anything. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Such a great story. I think it would reassure a lot of people listening as well. That, you know, that Understanding because I don't need to go down. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to go into a state of panic. You've got everything you need to be able to cope with the situation. That's it. Everybody has. Mm. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and, I, and I've seen this because you, you share you share very openly about it. It's just around how your life has changed um, in, in terms of your. I mean, this is partly a question about impact of business, but also the understanding that you have around um, your sense of freedom in life. Mm. 
So, so what I'm getting at is like how, you know, but what, what you were describing earlier was that, you know, you felt very driven by your targets, by mm. an idea of who you were in the world and how other people might perceive you. Yeah. And then you had this kind of real drama unfold in your life. Um, yeah. And things fell away from that. It was kind of in, a, in an unexpected way. And yeah, how how's that impacted your feeling of freedom now? Wow. I mean, I feel more free now in my life at 53 years old than I've ever felt. Um, and my, my definition of freedom is freedom from the anxieties of the future that I'm creating in my mind or that I used to create on a daily basis. Um, coming across this understanding originally when I first had my first defining moment by the kettle all right, and then I got on the plane and went I've got to go to meet George Pransky because my wife changed me because of him I'm going to go there as an experienced coach and trainer and I ended up having a conversation with him one-to-one -one coaching session I had another deep insight and I guess it just keeps getting better. So I feel more and more free. It's like it's not a fixed point. Um, my feeling of... So, so anyway, George took me under his wing and I became uh, a mentee. And I remember right at the beginning of the journey, he said, you know, your whole life will change because of, what, or because of this experience that you've had when you came to see where your real human experience is coming from, your life will change. So I went on this journey thinking, great, I'm going to quit the NLP and the hypnosis, although, you know, there's people that still do my old school stuff, but I'm only going to just in the fresh teach the principles. I'm going to go and learn with George and Linda and Chip and Jan um, Chipman and Dickin becoming a coach and Erica Bugby and all these and Elsie Spittles. So I train with all of these and, um, and then I'm going to have this coaching business that's going to change the world. And I remember George Pransky saying, it's not on you to change the world. That's down to the principles. The intelligence of life has got that one covered. So I was coming from an ego space. But I sort of, just to answer your question, how life has changed, what I realized was it was my last, it was a conversation I had with George and Linda um, it wasn't even a conversation. It was an invitation that I had from George and Linda to breakfast on my last day in Lacona before I was heading back to the UK after having lived on and off with them for six months, seven months. In fact, it was longer than that, coming up to about a year of elapsed time. And I had an understanding of the principles and I, and I know how to coach and have conversations with people. I felt I had a reasonable grounding after my experience with George. He was happy to let me go out into the world and share in my own way. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good to go. No certificate, but in my mind, I, I'm ready to change the world in my own little way. And then I walked into their house. I sat down for breakfast as Linda was frying eggs and asking me if I wanted syrup on my, on my pancakes. George was making his special butter, pop, uh, butter coffee. I don't know, I can't remember. He was in, going through a phase at that time of drinking this special um, coffee. And um, he asked me if I wanted one, and then I was just so filled up 
in that moment of love from them to me as if I was their son. And then I had this, I, I welled up and I, and I remember having the thought, oh my God, I realize what you've been showing me. It wasn't coached, perhaps. <laughs> Depends on who's been coached by me. <laughs> okay, that was one of the outputs, was to be able to, to, to go and share this understanding, but what they really taught me was how to live life. They taught me about love, living in the moment. I realized in that moment, it wasn't about the principles, it was about showing up and playing full out in life with whatever's going on. So if that's it, business, play full out of that today, in that moment. Then it's with your kids, play full out with them then. Then when you've finished with your kids, play full out with your wife. Play with your friends, play full out, be in the moment, enjoy everything that the day has to offer you, even if it's dishing up a shit sandwich. Do your best to just see that life is not personal. And that was it for me. Oh, that's such a beautiful um, message and a great way to, to bring this to an end, David. Um, I think uh, that, that last story and the word love really typifies kind of the feeling uh, of this podcast. So I just want to thank you so much for spending some time with me. Thank you, Matt. And it's been an absolute pleasure working with you. I'm so honoured and touched that this understanding has impacted your life and the people that you haven't even met yet. Hey, thanks, David. And um, if people want to find out more about you, where, where should they go? Hey, David Key, that's K-E-Y, dot com. Um, we're going to be putting a free webinar on there soon, a 90-minute webinar, the one that you probably watched. Um, but at the moment, there's just a coaching session. If you put your name, email address and submit, you'll get a coaching session I do where I'm sharing the power of this impact with someone a couple of years ago. We're going to put some new coaching sessions on. But if they do sign up, you'll start getting emails from myself, from John, and um, be notified of anything that might resonate with you, or they can reach out to me through the website as well. Fantastic. And I, I really you. recommend it from, from just Thank from you, my man. personal experience. Appreciate Thanks again, it. David. Hey, you're welcome, my friend.